0: Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. welcome from wherever you are this is the demon inside with your host john venom if you want to review a different episode of the demon inside you can find them on spotify or anchor and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast a new episode will come out every monday and now to our show we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors Welcome back to The Demon Inside.
1: For that to be able to provide something, anything to a victim of a victim. it's wonderful that um, that's going to happen, even though it's been 39. Years.
2: After more than four decades, investigators say the 19th murder of 25 year old Coyle,
1: we uh, were contacted at uh, the end of last week by Regarding a cold case they were investigating, they developed a suspect here.
2: That suspect, 70-year-old Dennis Bowman, at this house on 137th Avenue, Hamilton, Friday morning, deputies of the Allegan County Police Office.
1: We've got a lot of different law enforcement partners together because um, it's not you know, common for us to have an investigation in multi-state. Um, our resources would be split so much. so
2: Bowman is being charged out of Virginia, extradited to face charges related to the homicide. Back in Allegan County, Investigate Friday property.
1: Well, as a result of that arrest and the suspect living here in Allegan County, uh, search warrants have been obtained so that uh, our Norfolk Police Department searched the residence obviously linked the suspect to their cold case homicide. Resources are different.
2: Statement: Norfolk, citing evidence. Moment, wife's mystic. The closed. Night.
1: A very cooperative effort that uh, resulted, hopefully, in investigation.
0: Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to the Demon Inside. Today, we're going to be talking about Dennis Bowman. So this is kind of a newer case because uh, Dennis Bowman wasn't really found out until 2019. And uh, that happened through DNA, which DNA has been catching quite a lot of people (laughs) So we're going to be starting to see a lot of these serial killers that uh, were never caught before and cold case files through DNA. Uh, they're going to start catching them, I'm sure. This case is kind of the eye-opener. So Dennis Bowman is a 70-year-old man now, and his home is in Hamilton. In Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, he's connected to the 1980 murder of 25-year-old Kathleen Doyle. And Kathleen Doyle, it was actually four years after her case in 1980 and 1984 that the investigation uh, sort of got new breath into it because... They thought at that time that Henry Lee Lucas was actually her killer. And later on they found out that Henry Lee Lucas was basically full of shit. Now Henry Lee of course he did kill people but during his confessions he was confessing to a lot of crimes that he knew nothing about and he would more or less get lucky uh, because they would kind of tell him as a reminder of oh yeah this lady was stabbed or this person was shot or and he would be like oh yeah I remember them so once they found out that Henry Lee Lucas had nothing to do with her murder with Kathleen Doyle's murder the, cos- the case rather went code for pretty much up until 2019. So the case was given to a new detective who was uh, in charge of the code case files. And the Doyle case was the first one that he was doing. He went ahead and did the uh, genealogy test, and it came back to Mr. Bowman. So they brought Mr. Bowman in for questioning, and he's a 70-year-old man at this point, But I went ahead and took some of that interrogation so you can hear this, and this is really creepy. This is what I've been talking about this whole time on the show about the demon inside.
3: The strategy that I prepared was repeating back to him what I think I understand about him. I said, I I feel like your aggression from being mistreated down through the years has led to your anger and has fueled your rage
0: what the officer is talking about here is that he was one uh, he was the only male in his family he had four sisters and his sisters and his mother would traumatize him all the time according to him so he had a hatred for women let's continue your
2: your background understand things bottled up bottled up and bottled up fueled your fueled your aggression Mm -hmm. right and that's what i'd like to talk to you more about uh dennis for those instances and what was going through your mind here in norfolk in september of 1980. the period of which I go to the two weeks for mm-hmm. I'm 600 miles away mm-hmm. from anybody I know. Mm-hmm. I wound up like an eight-day clock. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, i got to get off this ship. Right. And I walked into a little bar where well, I got stupid drunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, just crazy stupid drunk. I right. sat there for about, I'll bet, three hours. Mm-hmm.
0: So you did hear him right. He said that he had to get back to base. He was in the Army at this time, and he was serving in the United States Army. And he got off of a ship, went and got drunk at a bar, and started walking around. Let's continue.
2: the screen, I still had that little pen knife in my hand. Right. And when I went to push her back down, she grabbed that hand. I can give I can see it, it right in my mind, that knife going right there. I blanked out right there and I said, lady, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And I walked out the front door.
3: So as he's going through this and he's telling me I realize he's leaving out key details the ties the bindings the other stab but nonetheless I'm taking what I can get from him and again not coming across threatening you know that very soft approach just allowing him to tell me his version of events Blackout and not remember these events. It was my job to see if I can pull out some of these other details.
0: We have talked about it before. Did he black out? Did something take over? You know there was a lot of other serial killers and a lot of these mom killers that the people describe them as having blank faces and them not remembering what they did. Could this be the same thing?
3: I wanted him to draw a diagram of the house to see if that maybe would jog some things in his memory in the event that he did legitimately black off out. With that.
0: Officer Smith at this time told him to draw. Uh, things from the house maybe it would jog his memory because he had already showed him a picture and he really didn't remember so he starts to draw the inside of the house and it's kind of interesting because he, of course he draws the house exactly the way it is let's get past that I mean, you want to describe it to me as you're kind of
2: going along kitchen okay There's a the door there. Okay. Keep Keep this the room. Okay. She's right there. See the I from the door. Right there is where everything
3: happens. He's putting himself inside the house, and he's describing every single detail to a T that we had.
0: We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Welcome back to The Demon Inside. So Dennis Bowman keeps drawing and he draws himself in the picture as well as a demon. Now this is the part that is for us. Listen to this.
3: completely took a different tone
2: and
0: a different demeanor. I know the recording is a little bad, but he tells the officer that the the demon is inside of him and that he has trouble keeping it there. But as long as he keeps it there, then the demon's in control. It's when the demon loses control that he can't. And that's when he blacks out. And that's when he does evil things. So now we get to the uh, part of the interview where he, Dennis, actually tries to describe what it feels like having the the demon inside of him. And it's very interesting, and I know it's going to be kind of hard to hear, but let's give it a shot. So during that clipping, he actually says that he feels superhuman and he feels like he's charged with energy and that's what the demon makes him do.
3: typical Dennis Bowman to where he's playing this cat and mouse game to see what kind of story he can tell me or is this some internal force that he genuinely deals with and has dealt with you know off and on his entire life
0: so now we have even the investigator asking is this an eternal internal force that he's been dealing with his whole life and I don't know if you he had heard it, but even his sister had asked his wife, "Are there two Denises? Are there two different Denises? Because the demon would take over, and it was a completely different person." I the to the demon coming out and you doing things that you
2: normally wouldn't do—is
0: that accurate? Yes. Yeah. And here are the investigators asking them if the demon is the thing that takes control and he says yes.
2: tonight. I'm just looking and I can see her. You can see her? I can see her stomach. Okay. When I Obviously didn't have any clothes on. Well, she had clothes on. Well, she must not have had clothes on here well, to see her stomach. I don't know. Maybe you're... I don't know. She. I know she was wearing a night guy. Okay. that's when I... I remember when I left. All right, let's, let's stop for a second. Remember. I don't remember.
3: Dennis had so many key details before and after. I never believed that he legitimately blacked out and did not remember having sex with
2: her. don't remember having sex with her? I don't remember having sex with her. Is that something you normally forget? Not normally, no. But this was not normal. This was when I was extremely, extremely, extremely upset, and I
0: broke. So the detective starts pushing him on the rape of the girl and the killing, and he says that he just built and built and built until he broke. You know, it was all that anger, and that pretty much it was the demon that came out of him. After all that, the um, detective decides he's going to push harder. And in pushing harder, it's really weird because he kind of reverts to a childlike type situation. In other words, he starts acting like a child and just throwing a fit that he didn't do it. I just still can't wrap my
3: head, my hands around the fact that he just didn't remember doing all these other things to her. I had to take kind of a harsher, more aggressive approach.
2: I don't think you were as drunk as you say you were. Other intricate details that you're giving me matches things that we have. But you're leaving out having sex with this woman. Like, yeah. yeah hold on. Let, <laughs> you keep going over How the head. I don't know. I can't remember ever having sex with this woman. That's where we got your DNAs from having sex with this girl. And nobody's going to believe you.
3: I was starting to call him out on some of his lies. You beat the hell out of that girl. And you stabbed the hell out of that girl. I
2: did not. He yeah, did. You beat her to a bloody
0: ball. So Dennis Bowman continues on uh, saying that he doesn't remember and the interview pretty much stops after that because uh, he just will not accept the fact that he killed or, and raped her. He wants to believe that he left and she was still alive. So uh, later on, I think it was three months later, he calls his wife. So his wife, Deborah, had a daughter, them two had a daughter that was uh, adopted. And uh, they were raising her. And when she turned, when she was about 14, Dennis said that she had run away that she had stolen like $300 from them and ran away and they hadn't seen her in 30 years so what Dennis decides to do is to call his wife from prison and this is that call from prison about their adopted daughter take a listen to this
2: Andrea's is, buried is in our backyard. If you look up towards the concrete in the backyard, she's underneath the left hand side of that in a cardboard right bed. Oh my God. She's been with us all along. <laughs> so now here it is. Now you know where she is. And at least you'll have her in a tin jar on a shelf. <laughs> Now you know I'm a a, a rotten, stinking son of a bitch.
0: After the police heard this call, they opened up the case again against uh, Andrea Bowman, who was last seen in March of 1989. And they found her under a concrete slab in the backyard of Bowman's Hamilton home. Bowman told police he pushed the teen downstairs, killing her after she threatened to report that he had molested her. He called police that day to report his daughter had stolen $100 from him and his wife and had run away from home. But in reality, Bowman had cut off Andrea's legs so that her body would fit in a barrel. He said he buried the barrel at the family's Holland area home at the time and then reburied it. So get this, he when they moved to Hamilton, he unburied her and reburied her at the new home after they moved. Fox 17
4: News at 5 starts right now. First today, the wife of a man accused of killing their adopted daughter more than 30 years ago now says he admitted to the murder and even helped lead investigators to her remains. Dennis Bowman's wife took the stand during his preliminary hearing in Allegan County today. Our Julie Dunmeyer joins us in the newsroom with more on what was said in court. Julie? Doug and Annie, Dennis Bowman long suspected of killing his 14-year-old adopted daughter, Andrea. But today in court, we heard testimony from his wife that he even admitted to doing it.
5: I have confessed to the death of my daughter, Andrea. I myself and no one else.
4: A written confession from the hands of Dennis Bowman 30 years after his teenage daughter disappeared. At some point when Andrea was approximately 13 to 14 years old, do you recall her making a disclosure about abuse by the defendant? Yes. Was that sexual
5: abuse? She told me one morning that Dad had molested her. And I looked at her and I told her, Nice, and that's a lie, and you know it.
4: That's the voice of Brenda, Dennis Bowman's wife. She says after that claim they took Andrea to a counselor at Bethany Christian, and that she recanted the story. But less than a year later, Andrea disappeared. Bowman, showing up at his wife's work to tell her she'd run away. What did he say to you
5: when he came? He said that Andrea had run away. She had taken money out of the baby's bedroom and she had taken the income tax money off his dresser and took her duffel bag and she was gone.
4: For 30 years, she was listed as a missing person, but Andrea hadn't run away.
5: When you got off work that night at 11 p.m., did you look for Andrea? I don't think so.
4: It wasn't until 2019 when Bowman was arrested for a separate murder in Virginia in 1980 that his wife says he revealed he'd known where Andrea was all along.
5: We had a meeting at the jail, and he basically told me that Andrea was dead and it was his fault
4: following up that meeting with the confession letter that Brenda says was meant to help her break the news to their families in a later phone call from jail
5: he was talking something about so near so far right under your nose and I says what the hell are you talking about and he goes oh, Andrea she's buried in the backyard and I said no she's not we didn't even live here then on the land.
4: Brenda was unsure if he was telling the truth. She felt there had been so many lies already. But investigators started digging the next day, finding Andrea's remains buried in trash bags.
5: And after I stood over the spot for a few minutes, I turned and I was going to walk back and I'd want to be back to the house. And all I can say to him is he didn't lie to me this time.
4: He didn't lie, Dad. Brenda says her husband claimed he and Andrea had an argument about her running away, that he slapped her and she accidentally fell down the stairs. But the medical examiner could not determine Andrea's cause of death because three decades had passed by the time her remains were found. Bowman was bound over today to stand trial on murder charges in Andrea's death. Live in the newsroom, Julie Dunmeyer, Fox 17 News.
0: So, was Dennis Bowman... Possessed? Did he have a demon living inside of him that he was keeping down? Did the demon inside make him forget everything that he did? Or maybe Dennis Bowman's just a liar who decided that he was going to say that a demon did it. How many other killings did he do? How many other killings are going to be out there? Maybe if he didn't have the demon inside of him, he wouldn't have got away with it for so long. Thanks for listening this week to The Demon Inside. I'll see you next week. Have a good one. Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash thedemoninside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time, if I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by
1: Reese Bober. Background music was created by Lucas Key.